Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to part four of our series called The Ten Commandments. Um, when we started this journey, if I would have asked you, hey, um, how many know the Ten Commandments? You'd be like, yeah, that's, that's in the, is that in the New Testament, the Old Testament? I think that's in the Old Testament. Where is it at in the Old Testament? I don't know, but it's in there. Is it important? Totally important. It's huge. God's Big Ten. Yeah, really, what are in the Ten Commandments? I don't know, like don't kill people. Don't steal. I know that one's in there. Um, there's all kinds of things in there. So if nothing more, our goal is by the end of this series is that this video is going to ingrain in you. At least you'll know what the 10 are. <laughs> that makes sense. Like you'll know what they are because we know that they're important. But more than likely, I think because of religion, because of culture, because of the way that it's been presented, that most of us have like a really kind of warped idea of what the 10 commandments even are. And so this series, my goal was to say, hey, can I actually like show you what the 10 commandments I believe actually means, why it was so important to God, why it was so important to people, because it's probably not what you thought it was. Because most of us thought this 10 commandments was this like arbitrary set of rules that God threw out there and said, hey, this is it. And if you don't do this, I'm mad. Now, if you do this, you're in. You break these and you're out. You do these and I like you. You don't do these, I'm mad at you. And I will throw hellfire and brimstone at you, thus saith the Lord. And that had nothing to do with this. As a matter of fact, what this is really all about is simply this. Is God trying to use a group of people to invade the earth. Let me say that again. It was God trying to use a group of people to invade the earth so that God could show the world through the nation of Israel what he was really like. This is God trying to change the world. And he begins, see, this is how it works. Is really, it started with a man named Abraham. Because God had to start somewhere. He's like, I'll just take you. There's nothing special about Abraham other than the fact that he just trusted God. And so he goes, I'm going to take you. And so Abraham turned into a family, and that family turned into a lot of people. If you remember, that lot of people moved to Egypt, and they began to multiply like, like Catholic rabbits. Remember, that came out of my mouth one week. And so that, so like... They go down there and eventually they, they become so huge and so big of a population that it scares Pharaoh in Egypt. And they're like, man, we got to enslave these people. So for 400 years, these people become slaves. And then God shows up and rescues them, delivers them. 400 years of slavery. That's like twice as long as America's existed. I want you to think about that. Their whole nation, uh, national history was nothing but slavery. And he pulls these slaves out of Egypt. And then he says, hey, now that I have rescued you and freed you and saved you and delivered you, I'm going to give you some principles so that now that you're free in life, you can stay free. And now that you've been set free from slavery, you can live prosperous and abundant and you can know me and you can walk in the ways of God. And so he gives them these 10 commandments. So he starts with this first command. I don't remember this. Thou shalt have no other gods in addition to me. And you know what God was saying? God was saying, I want to be first in your life, and no, there's nobody else. It's just, it's just, I want to be number one. I want to be at the centerpiece of your life and in the center of all things. And if you'll do that, your life will be blessed. You'll be a more prosperous, happier, successful, more blessed person if you do that. And I was like, okay, that, that sounds fair. You just saved us, delivered us. The rule number two was, was a little bit different because in their culture, for every God, there was a trinket or an idol or a statue or a temple or a thing that they had. And so God said, well, I'm not like anything else you've ever seen before, so you can't make any graven images. What he was saying was this, don't stick me in a statue and then leave me over there. I go all places. Do not put me into a trinket and then put me in your dresser drawer and leave me certain places and then take me other places when you need me. You don't get to stick me upside down in your front yard and hope the house sells. That is not how this works. Anybody know what that is? Okay, good. Four people know what that is. You'll be Googling that later. Like, what is he talking about? Anyway, 
No, you can't, you can't do that. You can't, you can't shrink me down to a trinket. You can't limit me to just a day of the week or a place or a location. That's not how I work. The last command that we talked about was last week, and it was what Mama said. Remember, what, you know, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And it was basically that if you stumped your toe, you couldn't call on Jesus in a non-prayerful way. You couldn't yell. You couldn't, if somebody cut you off in traffic, you couldn't send them to a special place in the name of God, right? It was, it was and what it actually meant was this. So instead of just taking the Lord's name and using it as a cuss word, which by the way, shouldn't that be kind of obvious? Like, do I really need to spend a whole command? I got 10, I only got 10. Do I have to spend a whole command saying, don't cuss with my name? Really? That's, no, of course that's not what that meant, right? God's bigger than that. He thinks, so this is what he was really saying. He's saying, don't associate my name with something that I have nothing to do with. Because he goes, I know what you're going to do, your people. And there's sin in your hearts. And so you're going to go out and you're going to try to leverage my name to get what you want, whether on a national level or a religious level or even on a personal level. He says, so you can't take my name and start leveraging it for your own selfish gain. This was huge. This was what protected Israel. And they broke this command over and over. But it protected them, hopefully, from like using and taking advantage of other people. Now, here's the deal. Now we're done. We're ready to go. Because now we're going to move into something practical. Because all this stuff is like ethereal, isn't it? It's all thought stuff. It's all like, okay, yeah, God's first, and I can't have any trinkets. Okay, that's fine. What do we actually do? And so God gives them in command number four the very first thing that they're supposed to do or kind of not do. And this, this is what it says. Command number four is this. Thou shalt take a day off. That's it. How many know, like, that's awesome. Like, that's incredible, because you got to remember, like, this is a bunch of slaves. They had to work every day. And you're like, so you're telling me it's a rule, that i got to take a day off? Psh, I got this. This is easy. I'm all about this. And this is huge, too. Now, this is what I know to be true about this one. So this whole, like, thou shalt take a day off. Here's the problem that, that we run into, though. Um, most of us think about this one last, like, or, or not at all. But God put this before, don't steal and don't murder. Well, that's kind of interesting. As a matter of fact, think about it like this too, because we're going to read all the verses. There's like three or four verses, a bunch of words. When he says like, don't murder, it's, it's four words. Thou shalt not murder. And that's it. It was like, no explanation. Just, okay, we're good. With this one, he gives this, inc- he spends, listen to this, listen to this. He spends more time talking about taking a day off than he does not murdering people. Isn't that incredible? Which has got to beg the question like, okay, God, what are you up to? Clearly, there's got to be something more to this. This has got to be bigger than like, you just, you just got to take a day off. And here's what I know about you too. Like you have never once gone to confessional and this came up. You've never been to a counselor and said, you know what my problem is? I've broken command number four and that's my issue. You have never, you never felt bad. How many know like when you murder somebody, you feel bad? Where you ought to, if you steal, you feel bad. You guys break this one all the time. You ever feel bad about it? No. Here's something else that's weird. Like all the other commands they talk about in the New Testament, like kind of like in detail. This one, this one kind of like the New Testament writers don't talk about this one as much, a little, little bit, but not as much. And be like, why was this such a big deal to God? Why would it be such a huge idea and a big deal for God to tell these people to take a day off? Are you interested now? Okay, this has got to mean something. Let's read the text and see what it says. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 8 says this. Remember, everybody say remember. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Everybody say holy. Yeah, so this Sabbath idea, Sabbath means rest, by the way. It was just just literally a Hebrew word that said rest. So it was almost like, hey, remember to take a rest day, keep that day 
holy. Six days you shall labor, meaning like, hey, work is good. This is not like, hey, be lazy, it's all good. Take a bunch of siestas. Take five days off, I don't care. This was not, God is pro-work. God is all about work. At some points in scripture, God says he designed you for work. Other parts of scripture says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So like, God is pro-work. He's like, six days, get after it. Six days, work hard. But, this is what he says, six days you shall labor and do, do all your work. But the seventh day is this, again, this word Sabbath, is a rest day to the Lord your God. And on it, you shall not do any work. Now, depending on your personality, you might love this or hate this. So if you're a person that loves spa days, you love this. You're like, heck yeah, I'm down with this command. I've never, I don't have a problem taking this command. Now, sometimes those other ones I fail, but I'll take a day off, bless God. You don't have to twist my arm to do that. Now, some of you, you type A people, you workaholic people, you have a hard time with this because you're like, Todd, look, okay, I know you're a preacher and you only work on Sundays anyway, so you don't really understand what it's like to be me. You don't understand my industry. You don't understand my business. You don't understand like, look, if I don't work, I don't get ahead. If I don't work, I'm not getting the bonus. If I don't work, other people are going to jump ahead of me. So like, Todd, I get what you're saying, but you see, you see some of you, you work and then you bring your work home with you and you do work on your laptop once you're at home. And then like, you'll go to the pool with the kids, but you got the laptop going at the pool. You ain't even watching them kids. You better pray that some floaties stayed on. And so, and then, and then you're on your phone constantly and you're constantly checking emails and you're constantly in the grind and you're like, man, and I'm telling you like, command number four exists. It's for some weird reason, and we'll see why in a, maybe in a minute, it comes before don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery. It comes before that. And God spends more words describing it and talking about it. Clearly God's up to something and there's something that is so big, so profound, so huge that it's so important to us. Now, let me tell you why it was important to them. This is huge. Think about this. They lived in Egypt where they were slaves. And you know what you make a slave do every day? Work. (laughs) Why? Because your time is money. Your time is labor. Your time is produce. Your time is energy. Your time. So like you don't need a day off. You need to work Harder. As a matter of fact, there was a point in their history where Moses tried to intervene and, and Pharaoh doubled down and said, now you got to make twice as many bricks. As a slave, you got to double your brick load. That, that's, and he would just punish you with work. And so for these people, it was this incredible like, oh my God, we are free from our slave drivers, which by the way, that's what salvation is. Salvation is being free from your slave drivers. When God freed or saved Israel, he freed. So like salvation is not necessarily just about getting to heaven. That's just the, like the icing on the cake. Salvation is about you right now being free from your slave drivers. It was a here now thing. And so said that you're free now. You don't have, you don't have taskmasters punishing you seven days a week. But on the other hand, it was difficult because you have to remember in this time period, this is before Trader Joe's. This is before Costco. This is before freezers and refrigerators. So like to a certain degree, to tell somebody they can't work on a day is to say, okay, but I could die. Like, Todd, you don't understand, like, this is hand to mouth. If I don't go fetch, fetch water, if I don't go kill that thing, if I don't go harvest that, if I don't go pick this, do that, I don't know what you're talking about. And so, like, there was this kind of like, oh, my God, in one sense, we're free from our slave drivers. But hold on, God, I don't think you know this, but, like, we still have to eat. There's progress that needs to be made. And that's kind of the tension that we live in, isn't it? Like, depending on who you are, some of you are just glad to be free from your work. Like, if you ever look at Facebook on Friday, it is meme after meme about people celebrating getting out of their awful job. Yeah. <laughs> and I pray for you people, because I'm like, dang, I love my job. But apparently I only work one day a week. So, um, 
But, but, but for others of you, you're thinking, but Todd, progress is important. And so you're just like them. It's just the, their circumstances are a little bit different, but they're caught in the midst of wanting it, but then others of you fighting it and resisting it. And so God introduces this idea of, or this idea of out of seven days, you're going to take one day and you're going to make it different than every other day. You're going to make it a Sabbath, a holy day, a rest day. It's going to be so unique. And God had already kind of introduced this to him. I don't know if you know this, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 16, there's this, and I'll read of it a little bit in just a second, but here's, here's what happened. When they left Egypt, the Egyptians were frazzled because like, you know, like Texas just got hit with a hurricane and they, they're frazzled, right? Like they're like, everything's a mess. Well, like Egypt got hit with 10 plagues. <laughs> and so like one day, like frogs are falling from the sky. One day the river turns red. And one day, like God blots out the sun and like everything's crazy. These people are totally frazzled and they know it's because we've been punishing those slaves for 400 years. God's judging us for punishing them. And he said, let them free. And we could have gotten out of this mess, but Pharaoh's stubborn. And so now we're in this mess and we're frazzled. So finally, when they let the slaves go free, God says, hey, go and ask them people for some stuff. And so like when you're frazzled and then the Israelites come and ask you for stuff, what do you do? You're like, yeah, take it all. I don't even care. Just stop the frogs from falling from the sky. I don't even care anymore. Bring the sun back, please. And so they gave them all their stuff, literally. Like they're like giving away their stuff to these slaves so they could get out of town and leave these people alone. And of course, the problem is this is when you leave, you can only carry so much food. You ever think about this? And so God takes these slaves, and, and again, they have no land, they have no crops, they have no herds, they have no, they got nothing but like what they took from the Egyptians. So after a few days, you eventually run out of food. And you're in a desert, so you don't have food anywhere. It's not like you're just going to pick an apple somewhere. So God does something so unique, he feeds them. And he gives them something called manna. Everybody say manna. So anybody remember the story? So the way the story works is this, is that they would have these tents and in the morning they would wake up, they would come out and all of a sudden there's just stuff laying on the ground. And they called it manna. And this is the funny thing. If you look at what Hebrew means or what the word manna means in Hebrew, it literally means what is it? What the heck is this? Is this bread? I don't even know what this is. I, have, I, I don't even know what it is. Like nobody knows what it is. That was literally called, what is this? And every day they woke up and there's just a fresh batch, whatever this stuff is, laying on the ground. It's like manna bunnies came and dropped it off and then left in the middle of the night. And God tells him something so crazy. He says this to him. He goes, hey, I'm going to give you this manna, this weird stuff. I'm going to give you manna for six days. But listen carefully. I'm going to give you some specific instructions. On the sixth day, I want you to collect two days worth of manna. Because on every day, here's what's going to happen. If you keep manna overnight, when you wake up the next morning, it'll be like rotted. It'll be gross. Except for on the sixth day. On the sixth day, you can collect two days worth. And on the seventh day, there's not going to be any manna that day. So I want you to get like, here's this picture. Like this is what it says in Exodus 16. Six days, you're to gather it. But on the seventh day, the... Look, there's that Sabbath idea. Even before he made a command of it, he's introducing it. That Sabbath thing. There will not be any manna. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you this Sabbath, this rest day. That it was why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Do you know what God was training these people? Even before it was a rule or a command or a principle or an insight. You know what God was commanding them? Every day, I want you to depend on me. That's ultimately what it is. 
God's saying, I want you to depend on me. I want your whole life to recognize that you're dependent upon me. When you wake up in the morning, there's some weird stuff out there. And you know where it came from? And not only that, every day I want you to depend on me, but on the seventh day, I want you to like, go ahead and recognize that I'm going to, listen, this is so huge. If you work and you feel like you've got to grind to get ahead, and if you don't grind, you're not going to get ahead. This is what God was saying. I'll go to work for you for seven days, but you only have to go to work for six days. Or let me put it another way. I can produce in seven days what it would take anybody else, or I can produce in six days what it would take anybody else to produce in seven days. I want you to know like your whole life, I want you to think when I wake up, my life is dependent upon you. When I roll out of bed, my breath is dependent upon you. When I stand up, my strength is dependent upon you. When I go to work, my mind is dependent upon you. Everything is completely dependent upon you, God. Like you're the source of my thought, my energy, my strength, my abilities, my life, the breath inside of my lungs. I am completely dependent on you. And this is so important because he wants to ingrain this in them now because God knows the future. And so God knows, because this is what he knows. One day you're going to own land. But I want you to know where the land come from. One day you're going to have crops, but I want you to remember where the crops came from. One day you're going to have herds, but I want you to know that it was me who gave life to them. I want you to know like one day you're going to have money. One day you're going to be awesome. One day people will travel just to come and figure out why you guys are so blessed and so smart. And here's the temptation, because I know this is where we're at. When we achieve success, we start thinking highly of ourselves. When we start getting a little bit of something, something, when we start making it in the world, remember when you were broke and had a jalopy? You didn't think too much of yourself. Now you're like, man, I'm riding now. I've got, I'm, riding, I'm rolling on 20s. I, I feel like, you know, back in the Dizay, when I was like making this much money, I was just, but, but now I've made it. I've arrived. And you start thinking about like, look what I've done. Look what I've given. Look what I've sacrificed. Look at the hard effort that I put in. And what you didn't know is that God was behind it all. That your whole life was and still is completely dependent upon him. And any of the success that you've achieved is not because of your own strength, it's really because of the strength that he gave you. And I never want you to lose sight of that because one day you're going to be so prosperous, it'll be a temptation for you to lose sight of that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that you carve out one day where you remember because it's almost like this. There's that old Texas saying that if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you can know that he did not get there by himself. And he's saying, every week I want you to remind yourself that you're the turtle. Every week, I want you to remind yourself, it's that God sustains me, that God gives me life, that God props me up, that God gives me favor, that God sets me up for success, and I never, ever, ever want you to lose sight of this. This is why Jesus even laced into the Lord's prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Where did he get that from? He got that from here. The story of man and the story of Sabbath and the story of God doing for you in six days what, what no one else could pull off. So let's keep reading. So Exodus chapter 10 or 20, he says this idea of don't do any work, but then he adds to it. Remember, he spends a lot of time talking about this, this idea of Sabbath. So he says, not only do I want you to not do any work, this is huge. Neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. You know what's so huge about this? He goes, I want you to be different. Not only do I want you to live a life of dependence upon me, but I want you to treat the world differently than Egypt treated you. See, Egypt punished you for seven days a week. You're not going to treat other people like that. You will be different. And you know what this difference is going to do? This difference will cause such a weirdness in the community. It'll cause such a weirdness with everybody around you. Everybody around you is going to be like, what are y'all doing today? Nothing. Well, what do you mean you're doing nothing? Well, we'll just rest. 
What do you mean you're going to rest? Don't you got to go? No, no, no. Why? I don't know. God told us not to. God said that he would do for us in six days what it would take everybody else to pull off in seven days. And our dependence is upon him. And we live a life like this because the whole world's killing it for seven days a week. And he's like, your God just shows up and provides and does. That's, that's the life that we live. It's different. And it's different how we treat other people. Because like, I want you to think about, like, some Jews started to like, figure out, you know, like we were always trying to like, find a loophole in the scripture. You don't do that, right? Because like, this is what people like, how far is too far? If you're asking that question, you're asking the wrong question. So, but this is what they would do. So like, because God knew they would try to come up with a loophole. So he was like, hey, you can't make your kids go work. You can't get, make your servants, you can't make them go work. You can't even get the animal working. Everybody gets a rest because you will not treat people the way Egypt treated you. And not even foreigners residing in your town, the Jews tried to find a loophole this. And so what they would do is there were times in their life where they're like, hey, just make the foreigner go outside the town. And if he's outside the town, bam, loophole. But then what did they do? They just broke command number three. Anyway, y'all, y'all had to be here next last week. But the point is this, the point is, is that God's trying to not only change who you are from the inside out, make you fully and completely dependent upon God, but he's trying to make sure that you treat other people with that same type of dignity and respect, something totally different than what they experienced for 400 years prior. Next scripture says this, this is the big why. So if you ever wonder why, where all this stuff comes from, it's the next verse. Verse number 11 says this, four, everybody say four, four. So God says, don't do any work. Take a Sabbath day, a holy day. It's unto the Lord. Don't do any work. And don't be making other people work either. Because I know how you are. You're going to make your kids go do it instead of you. Or you're going to make servants go do it. Or your animals go do it. Don't do that. For, this is the why. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all. Everybody say all. That's important. Everybody say all. And all that is in them. But God even, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. This is what I want you to see here is that when God kind of shows you the why, what he's showing you is ultimately this. The very thing that actually makes you successful at your job is not the amount of time you put into it anyway. So much more important than that is your mind, your strength, your relationships, your opportunities and favor and how things are arranged and ordered. And he goes, you're not in control of any of that anyway. Because if, if it weren't for creation, what he's saying is this, is because God created all things. Like your job's on the earth, right? So I created that. You're on the earth. Yeah, I created that. So if, if you're a fisherman, I created that too. So just no, no more loopholes just because you're a fisherman. That, like, I'm not on the earth. No, you're, uh, everything that God created is underneath his control. It's underneath his influence. And what he's really saying is this. Please, please take notes here if you get this. It's more important than progress is dependence. You're going to have this like need to get ahead, to strive, to work, to effort, and you're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and you're going you're gonna to miss this huge point. God cares about progress. Like progress is good. Success is good. Blessing is good. Prosperity is good. Those are all good things. But you know what's more important than that? Is your dependence upon God. And so God built in this weekly reminder that your life is completely dependent upon me. And this is what I want you to see here. Um, there's, there's four base or three basic things that I want you to do inside of your Sabbath day. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, number one is this. Number one is I want you to remember. So when you go to take a Sabbath day, I want you 
to remember. That's how the very verse starts. He goes, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, I want to read this for you. In Deuteronomy, they repeat the command and they add something to it that's not in the book of Exodus. It's only in Deuteronomy. But listen to this. In, in Deuteronomy 5.15, it says this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. See, I, I, there's this temptation in life. Have you ever noticed this when you meet people that one of the first things you ask them is maybe where they're from, but then you ask them what is their job? Like, what do they do? You notice that like we make our job a huge part of our identity in terms of like just who we are. What, what are you saying is this, is the world defines who they are by what they do. I want you to be defined by what you don't do. I want you to be defined not by what you do, but by your dependence upon me. And I want you to remember in every moment, I want you to remember where you came from. So like every Sabbath day, again, a day, we'll talk about this in a second, a day that's different than the other day. I want you to remember and here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember where you came from. I don't want you to ever think, oh, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, and forget where you came from in this life. I want you to be able to remember. And I don't want you to dwell and guilt yourself. I just want you to remember and be grateful. Like, look what God's done in my life. Look where God brought me from. Look what God's doing in my life. Look what God has, has, has delivered me from. Look at what God brought me out of. Like, I just want you to remember and reflect. That's what he was saying. Remember. Remember where it all came from. Remember, like, like one of the things, like, here's a thought for you. One of the things you need to think about is this. You ever been getting out of church on a Sunday morning and you thought to yourself, oh, dude, we got to go to Chick-fil-A. And then it dawns on you. You can't go to Chick-fil-A and you're angry for a moment. You ever been there before? Is that just me? See, I grew up at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is in my heart. And there are times where like, I'm like, dang, I want some Chick-fil-A. And I'm like all stoked to go to Chick-fil-A. And then I literally, I'm like, dang it, it's Sunday. And the reason why Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday is because Truett Cathy, who died just a few years ago, he was the one that established Chick-fil-A. He was a Christian man. And he basically said, hey, we're going to honor the Sabbath. And not only am I going to take a Sabbath, but remember that whole thing about sons and daughters and male servants and female servants and even the animals? Everybody gets a day off. Everybody gets a day of rest. And for him, it was saying, hey, I'm going to remember command number four. I'm going to remember a Sabbath. I'm going to remember this idea of rest. I'm going to remember what God's done in me. I'm going to take a day to reflect. Now, what's amazing is this. I want you to think about this. Chick-fil-A spread all across the country by taking off a Sunday literally loses millions upon millions of dollars. You know what that means? You know what Truett Cathy understood? Is that dependence is more important than progress. There's certain things more important than getting ahead. There's certain things more important. Because aren't you driven? See, the problem with greed and money and wanting to get ahead is this, is that if you ever ask the question, how much will I need to like finally feel satisfied, to feel good? The answer is just a little bit more. That's the answer. How much am I going to need to make to feel secure? How much am I going to need to make money-wise to feel like I've arrived or I've made it? The answer is always this, just a little bit more. Because success and some of those things that we, we it's, it's a moving target. And God's saying, no, it, listen, listen, more important than progress is your dependence upon me. So Truett Cathy just made the decision. Now here's, you know, you know something fascinating? If you look at like all of the fast food chains, Chick-fil-A actually makes more money per store than any other fast food chain. 
you know what God's saying? I can get done in six days. I can even do more in six days than what you could do in seven, in seven days if you will just remember. So I want you to remember. I want you to live a life of remembering God's goodness, remembering God's blessing, remembering where you came from in life. Never lose sight of that. Number two is this. Everybody say rest. Like, I just want you to rest. Like, like I want you to consider the fact that your body is designed for rest. I want you to consider the fact that you, for, for whatever reason, when God designed us, like we were built in to need days and times of rest. I read something so interesting that on daylight saving time, how many know one day we lose an hour of sleep and one day we gain an hour of sleep? Do you know that on the day that we lose an hour of sleep, highway traffic incidents go up 8%? And on the day, so normally like it's like a nice even average, but on the day that we, we lose an hour of sleep, it goes up 8%. But on the day we gain an hour, it goes down 8%. Like, you're better when you're rested. You're better when you go to sleep at night. Like, you're better off. Like, look at all these ideas here. Like, like, like it's better for your mind to have rest. You know that when you get adequate sleep and adequate rest, that your memory function actually works better. Do you know that when you get adequate rest, your body actually, because what's attached to your sleep patterns and your rest patterns is how your body manages fat burning. And so literally like rest increases your idea just to like maintain a healthy weight. Here's another idea. Like your heart never stops, thank God, while you're sleeping, but your heart is able to like rest and have like these modes of rest. Like your stress level goes down when you have rest. Like shoot, animals in the zoo, they did this with animals, where animals in a zoo are put on display, right, behind a case, and got people like, ah, and taking pictures and all that. And what they showed was is that literally, like, if you take an animal and put him on display for seven days in a row, he gets wore out. But when you put him on six days and then give an animal even a day off, remember what the command said? Your sons, your daughters, your servants, and your animals zoo people have figured out you've got to give animals at the zoo a day of rest from being on display and if you did they do they're healthier and they live longer that incredible like god's not a dummy god knows what he's doing because god created all things remember he said for god created everything your job he created he can pull it off in seven days animals he created he knew what he was doing your physical body your mental health your heart health all of those things god created those things those are all in his, and, and God shows this principle in creation that it, it, uh, he basically created the world in six days, but on the seventh day, God rested to show you, to model for you, to give you this principle that you even need rest. Number three is this, you need to worship. There's just something about worship, because if you go back and you read the command, it says this, it says, remember the Sabbath. So everybody say remember. Sabbath means rest, and he said to keep it holy. Everybody say Holy. So holy means different, or it means other. And so when it says that God is holy, what their author was saying is that God's different. He is unlike anything in this world that you can compare him to because he is actually outside of this world. He's different. And so when God says, be holy like I'm holy, what he's saying is this, is I want you to be more like me. And all of my character and nature is to the best of your ability, I want you to be like me. So holy means other, other or holy means different. And so what the writer's saying when they're saying, I want you to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, is the Sabbath should be this. It should be a day that is unlike every other day of your week. And I not only want it to be holy, I want it to be holy and unto the Lord. 
So like, it's not just, it's not just different for difference sake. I mean, you can go out and just do something weird. But I thought I did something different. That's not the point. It was holy unto the Lord. So I want you to have a day of reflection. Like I want to have a day where you're like diving in and you're grateful and you're thinking and you're remembering and you're reflecting on the goodness and the grace and the wonder and what God, what taskmasters God has saved you from. I want you to have a day of rest where you take a deep breath, where you're like, you're fully engaged and present because you're at rest. And then I want you to have a day where you have worship, where you just recognize that this day is unto the Lord. It is different than every other day. I find this so fascinating because what this actually does is it sets you up for success with everything else. Because everything else that I'm going to talk about next week, if you'll do this, following the rest of them becomes possible. It actually becomes probable. Why? Because look, when I'm remembering that God is my provider, I'm not stealing. You ever thought about that before? You ever, when your heart is attached to God and you're at church on a Sunday morning worshiping God, you know what you're not doing? You're not out killing people. You know, you're, you're not out committing adultery. You're not out, you're not, it, that's, why? Because you're here. My point is this, is like, and it's this reset. Everybody say reset. reset. See, like what happens is this, is we drift in life. Because we, we'll do this in life. We're like, man, it's been weeks since I've been to the gym. <laughs> what happened? You drifted. Oh man, I've been off my diet for days. Or I've been, oh, you know what? We haven't had a family meal in weeks. What, what happens? Drift. Oh man, I was going to start coming home at six o'clock every night. And I promised I was going to come home. But then we hit this like streak of just super crazy, hectic and all these contracts. And so like, I, and you, you just drift, everything drifts. And when it drifts, it drifts towards chaos. You ever notice like, this is why your garage doesn't naturally clean and organize itself. It, it drifts towards chaos. Your life is like your garage. It does not drift towards order. It drifts towards chaos. And what God was doing was establishing this idea of I want you to have a daily or a weekly reminder, a day of the week where you don't drift, you reset, you refresh, you rest. And this is the big idea in life is that what God actually wants to accomplish in your life requires this space of time. Last little thought, and I'll close with this. Um, I decided that I wanted to get braces put on. I had braces when I was a kid, but then I lost my retainer because I put it on my lunch tray and then I threw it in the trash. And my dad was hacked off and said, I ain't buying you another one. So my teeth got crazy again, right? Anybody like that? Your teeth, the older you get, your teeth. So I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm going to get me some braces. So you go through and you do the consult and the evaluation and you start, you start, okay, what are you going to do? And they looked at my teeth and they basically said, look, your teeth are jacked. That's what he said. That's bad, bad manner. Don't tell people their teeth are jacked. He said, do your teeth are jacked. I'm like, I know. He goes, all right, so this is the deal. You've got so much crowding at the bottom of your teeth that what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to go in and like trim and shave like a half a millimeter off of every tooth down there. Or that's going to hurt, by the way, and then your teeth are going to be sensitive. Or we'll just pull a tooth out because you don't have the space to get everything in alignment. See, for some of us, because we're constantly cramming our schedule, we're cramming our life, we're so busy, we don't take a Sabbath, we don't take a day of rest, we don't take a day of reflection, we don't take a day of worship. You know what the problem is? Is that our life is so crammed full of everything that there's no alignment to it. Like you're not aligned with your heavenly father because your life is crammed. And they said, okay, so here's what we gotta do. We're going to have to remove a tooth 
So now I'm like a, like a hillbilly right now. I, I got a missing tooth down here. You can't see it. Don't look. But they were like, we're going to have to remove something to create space. Then we can bring alignment. And I thought, this is what the Sabbath is. See, God's going to take your busy, crazy work, stress, all that, and remove it to create space so that God can bring alignment. So like what God wants to do in your life, I'm telling you that if you made a weekly appointment, a weekly day, a weekly reminder of refresh and rest and remembrance and worship and dedication, you know what happens? You've got enough space for God to get into your life and do whatever it is that he wants to do. And his promise to you is this. If you'll take a day off, I'll get done in seven days if you'll just give me a one day. And that's what God's required of us. But what it does is this, is it sets us up for the most blessed life possible. Let's pray this morning. So God, where are we in our life? Where, where's our schedule at? Where's the heckness? Where's the stress? Is there something that needs to be removed from our life? Do I have a day that is dedicated to you that's unlike any other day that says, God, this is the day. And I don't work. I don't stress. I don't worry. I don't grind. I don't do any of those things. I take a deep breath and I reflect and I remember and I worship and I acknowledge you. And I acknowledge that you are the source of all things. I acknowledge that you created me. You created my job. You created the thing that I produce at my job. You are in charge and in control of all things and my life is in your hands. Is there a day that I remember that? Is there a weekly built-in reminder that says, God, you're in control of my situation? I don't know what the doctor said or what your boss said. I don't know what your family's going through, but like God is still in control. He's still on the throne. He hasn't gone anywhere. Your life is in his hands. And if you will carve out that one day, you'll constantly be leaving space for God to get into your life and to speak to you and to keep you on his path. So Father, we pray, God, have your way in our lives. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning, if you would. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.